I just want to do God's will. The kind of revolution that the world needs is a Christian revolution. If you want a miracle, you've got to expect it to happen. You're the recipients of God's grace and God's blessings, and you rejoice in that reality. Welcome to Life Today Live. I'm Randy Robinson. You know, I grew up, uh, obviously my dad's an evangelist. We grew up in the church. Uh, and, and so today's topic, I get, <laughs> because in our church, there were things you just didn't talk about. Uh, and, you know, it, it, it didn't, didn't help. Not talking about it doesn't, doesn't, doesn't help, as today's guest says, um, because what happens is the world talks about it. <laughs> it's like you start to get non-biblical perspectives on certain topics um, when we should have a biblical perspective on every topic. There is no topic that should be taboo, as the title of today's book is, or as my dad would say, taboo. I don't know why he says that, but he that's one of his words. Um, again, the author of the book is Mike Novotny, uh, who runs a great organization called Time of Grace. Mike's been on several times. We've had him down for the broadcast show. He's one of my one of my favorite guys. He's just got a solid head on his shoulders. Um, and, and so this is a, the kind of guy I trust with this kind of conversation. Uh, so appreciate you guys being here. Great to have you guys uh, watching live. I'm glad you like the new music. I chose that myself. I love it. It's throwback disco. Just makes me feel good when we start these interviews. But uh, if you are watching uh, live and you want to be involved in the chat, this would be a topic that you might want to jump in on. So we invite your nice comments and questions. And uh, if you watch this later, we appreciate your kind comments and questions. You can disagree. Just be nice. That's all I ask. Otherwise, I'll delete you. Mike, welcome to Life Today Live. <laughs> Thanks for having me back, Randy. <laughs> I try to be upfront with people, you know, so they know. Um, <laughs> and this could be one of those topics because, I mean, there are so many there are so many things, and especially it's an election year, right? So, you know, don't talk about religion and politics. And it's like, there's, there's, but beyond that, I mean, there are some real serious topics that uh, we either don't know how to talk about, don't like to talk about, or been told not to talk about. Um, what made you go, you know what, I'm not just going to write a book. This is a heavy book. This is a thick book. When I was like, taboo, oh, there's a lot here. <laughs> must be a lot that you had to say. Talk us through it. Yeah. Yeah, so the, the premise of the book, not talking is not helping, and it's corollary that maybe talking could be the thing that God uses to help us, mm. was kind of birthed out of my own story um, of a taboo thing that I was struggling with. And then something that I've seen in 16 years as a pastor has really been a game changer in so many Christians' lives. So my story was I, I struggled for a long, 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 long time with internet pornography. Mm. And I struggled not because I was skipping church. I went every Sunday. It wasn't because I didn't repent. Um, I've never felt worse or wept more over my own sin than for this. It wasn't because I, I didn't have a connection to the Bible. I was a, I was a, that weird high school, public school kid who was in the Word, reading the thing cover to cover. I was memorizing scripture. I, I was praying. I was, I was doing everything. But the one thing, Randy, that I didn't do because I was too embarrassed and ashamed and afraid was to talk to someone else. Mm. And so it was, it was just me praying, white-knuckling it, trying to protect my reputation. And what do you know? Um, it, it really didn't change until the that really epic day in my life. It was in April 24th, 
where I finally said enough is enough and God somehow gave me the Holy Spirit shove out the door to talk taboo. Mm. And it wasn't like the temptation ended, but something really changed that day for me. Well, I want to find out, but it's interesting. um, You go all the way back to the the Garden of Eden, uh, and Satan didn't come to Adam and Eve together. He came to Eve isolated. Mm -hmm. And I think the isolation and the idea that certain things can't be talked about, shouldn't be talked about, there's too much shame or, you know, Mm -hmm. I think that's the first tactic of the enemy to keep us there. Yeah. I think you're spot on. Um, the book of James talks about resisting the devil in James 4, verse 7. And then just a chapter later, James says, confess your sins to one another and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Yeah, yeah. And I've just seen that to be so true. Like when we when we talk and pray, things change and people get healed. I got to point out, that, that confession, the idea of confession, and, and we get some of this from the church, we think is so that we can be forgiven. Mm. That's not what it says. Correct. Yeah. How, how did that confession lead put you on the road at least? Because it, it does take time, and I don't want people to think it's like just one time. That's the other thing. We think it's, ah, I did it, and I'm done, and yep. nothing changes. Healing is a process, is it not? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Actually, the, the Greek of that New Testament verse, it doesn't just say confess, period. It says keep confessing your sins to each other. Mm. So James is kind of promoting a lifestyle of really honest confession and mutual prayer and I think that's something we've lost a lot. We, you know, we'll, we'll go to church and we'll say our prayers, but this idea of I'm going to be a disciple shoulder to shoulder with other disciples who are going to know me, help me, encourage me, and forgive me. Um, maybe, Randy, the, the biggest thing I learned from my experience was not only was I struggling with repetitive sins, but there came a point where I seriously questioned if I was saved. Yeah, right. Not, not because I, I stopped believing in Jesus, but I just thought, man, if I was really a Christian, I'd really be repentant. I'd be better than this. Mm-hmm. So just to have people to remind me, okay, Mike, you're not, <laughs> you're not out of the kingdom. Um, God, God forgives some really big sins like yours too. Yeah, and again, I think that's another tactic of the enemy because we can back us up to square one. We can na- never take care of the other issue. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, if you're, and I mean, I've seen that too uh, with people close to me where they're they're literally saying that prayer of salvation when it's like you know what you need to deal with is this thing over here and mm-hmm. you you kind of can slip into a works-based salvation theology yes. if you're not careful uh and yes. that just yes. just let's get beyond that and get to the healing part so how how did your healing look yeah it, it looked like that journey of just stepping into the light and continuing the conversation yeah and sometimes just knowing that someone was going to ask me about it was the breaks I needed when that temptation showed up again. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Accountability. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Just the, the very basics of the power of accountability, prayer, honesty, lots of grace and gospel forgiveness. So, yeah, what I experienced, and now as a pastor, we, you know, we try to talk about a lot, of, a lot of tough things. So all the chapters in this book on sex, sexual intimacy, sexual orientation, depression, anxiety, suicide, addiction, Mm. marriage, divorce, race, politics. You know, it's, I, I think we should put like a stick of deodorant like, and duct tape it to the book so you're, <laughs> you're prepared for what's in it. But I've seen that the more that we talk about those things and create a church culture where, okay, even if it's bad and sinful, let's at least talk about that in a place where we have Jesus and the Word and the Holy Spirit yeah. instead of just pushing you back to your private dwellings where you hope these things are going to get better. Yeah. So how do... <laughs> 
I can imagine being a visitor at your church and you get up. Today we're going to talk about pornography. Uh, oh, <laughs> no, okay. But how has this played? I mean, what, what's been the effect uh, of being unafraid to talk about these topics from the pulpit? Uh, yeah. What has that done to the culture of your church? Oh, I, I could not say enough about it. Um, I was blessed to walk into, I've, I've been at my church for about 10 years now, and I walked into a culture that was rather open to difficult things. So I, I know not everyone's church culture is like that. But what I've seen, I call it the boomerang effect, that I could have been your pastor for a year or two or five or 10, but unless I throw out a topic to you from the pulpit, you, you won't speak back nine out of 10 times. Mm. So if I never mention abuse or speak with a compassionate heart about abortion, no one talks to me, even as their pastor about that stuff. Yeah. But once I start the conversation and I give people the gift of going first, um, wow, it is so beautiful how people talk back. Um, they want to serve God. They just don't know where to start. They're scared to take that step. So, you know, whether it's a pastor with a church or a parent with a kid, or friends in a small group, or a couple of Christian buddies, I think one of the best things you can do is give people the gift of going first by <laughs> by taking a deep breath, saying a big <laughs> prayer, and just talking about that thing. So, okay, so for someone who may be watching right now, who is like, man, I've got that thing I've never talked about. Hmm. Uh, I've got that thing that I've started with for way too long. It's caused me to question my own salvation, all those things. And maybe I don't have a church culture that, that you know, I'm, I'm terrified you know, to bring that up, my, you know, whatever they, they would kick me out of the church or, or my wife would leave me. I mean, you know, all these, these mm. scenarios that play out. Um, what do you say to that person who is like, man, I'm not, I'm not talking about that. Yeah. Yeah. I'd sympathize. I mean, it is scary and let's face it, we're human. So you, there is no guarantee how a human will react. G gossip is a real thing. Slant, impatience is a real thing, a lack of kindness. So I, I can sympathize with the fear, but I would also say to that person, um, <laughs> don't discount the work of the Holy Spirit within the church. Don't come to the conclusion that every Christian would pounce on me and judge me and condemn me and, you know, get, get away from me, you sinner. Yeah. What I've seen is that when you come with humility saying, hey, I'm struggling with this, God's people tend to act like God's people in really beautiful ways. Mm. You know, they're mm. honored by your confession. They love to share the good news of Jesus with you. They promise to pray for you. They, they won't be able to fix it or have all the answers or always know what to say. But I've tried to live in honest confession for a lot of years now. I've seen it up close in life groups and small groups. And I, ju I just see people constantly responding well to those who come with a humble confession. Let me ask you this. Because there are probably, I mean, there, there's, there are situations where confessing to certain people will hurt them, mm. right? Mm. Especially when mm. you're talking husband and wife, right? Or, you know, your, your kids. You don't need some things you don't need yeah. to just come out. Sure. Are, are, how do, are, there, are there things we shouldn't confess to certain people at certain times? Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, the Proverbs... You know, Proverbs are such a great book because it gives us some nuance and wisdom. Um, I'm not encouraging everyone to get up on Sunday morning, grab the mic from the pastor, and like, I would like to tell you all my sins. Yeah. Um, there, there are some people who don't have the maturity to handle things well. But I'm guessing you probably know that. 
you know, if you have a friend who's just emotionally really fragile or they kind of gossip about other people to you, mm-hmm. you're, you're probably going to know, I can't trust this person with something this serious. Yeah. But if you do have someone in your life who loves you, you've talked about personal things that maybe aren't this scary and they've responded well with compassion, like God's given you the green light to put your foot on the pedal of honesty and tell that person. So not everyone, but definitely someone. Yeah. And I like that. Not everyone was definitely someone. And I think timing is, is important too. I had, uh, you know, a friend who was struggling with similar things, the pornography and stuff. Uh, and uh, you know, even acting out in other ways. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Okay. I don't want to say too much because it's not my story. Um, but he, he, he came to me and he wanted to go confess everything to his wife. Well, his wife had a background where her parents were divorced over some similar kind of things. Mm-hmm. And I just said, maybe you should talk to our pastor first, uh, mm-hmm. help him get his house in order before, you know, because it became a situation where he w- he wanted to unburden himself. Mm-hmm. And I thought, you don't cause damage while unburdening yourself. Yeah. Yeah. So, Good point. Yeah. I, I, so I, I think that, that wisdom and discernment are critical in this, and sometimes that can be the hardest thing to have when you're struggling with something, you know, and you're yeah. fine to the point. So I, I appreciate find find that person, that that trusted person uh, hmm. that you can start the process with. You'll you'll get to the rest of it later. You can come clean to the rest of the world at the right time, um, yeah. but don't wreck someone else in the process. Would be my only, hmm. my only advice. All right, let's. Let's hit uh, another topic in uh, this book called Taboo by Mike Novotny. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Man, you pick a topic. The one that was, I don't know, the hardest, the most fun to address. I don't know. How, to, how, do, you, how do you even approach this kind of thing? You're like, you hit this chapter, you're like, oh, I can't wait to talk about this one. Or you, you start with like fear and trepidation. I don't know. Yeah. The, the one that was the scariest to preach, but actually I, I think had the biggest response out of everything was... Um, a series of messages we had on abuse. Mm. So we spoke to God's word to the abused. Then the next one was God's word to the abusers. Ooh. And then the final one was God's word basically to us all, as because we're going to know people on both sides of that. Um, we don't want to become a church where there are certain sins that can't be forgiven or people who are blocked at the door. So mm. how do you create a safe environment for people where... Those like the Apostle Paul, who admitted, I was a violent man. Mm-hmm. I was a persecutor of the church. Mm-hmm. Uh, I used fear to control other people. So that that was one where I'm like, oh, man, I, I'm literally throwing the doors open and saying, if you've been a victim of abuse, it's not your fault, and God loves you, and God hates what happened, and you're not second rate to him. He delights in you. And with a lot of good boundaries, Yeah, we're not going to say if abuse as part of your past as an abuser, well, you better find another church. Right. So, so that was one where, man, nothing will drive you to your knees. Like, I want to I want to be all grace and all truth at the same time. Yeah. Uh, in the same way, I'd want to minister to someone who's cheated on in a marriage, and I would, would want an adulterer like King David to come and, and worship with me in my church. Yeah, that's tough. So those are the ones that are like, oh man, please, please, Lord, please, Lord, help. Oh, it's it's real easy to have grace for the victim. It's real hard to have grace for the perpetrator. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, here here's one that uh, there's. 
I think we all agree that you know adultery is wrong, right? Abuse is wrong. There are some different theological views of suicide, um, mm-hmm. and that in and of itself can make it even a little more complicated when you talk about that. But that is another topic you talk about in your book. Um, yeah. What do yeah. you What do you do with that? Oh man. Um, if I if my research is right, five hundred years ago, the reformer Martin Luther. Um, believe that he had discovered what the Bible says about suicide. Like, can you get to heaven if you've taken your own life? And after he came to this conclusion, he said, you know, I'm pretty sure I have the correct biblical interpretation on this, but I don't want to tell you it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Because his conclusion was that there are sometimes you just get caught by the enemy in such a dark spot we think of people battling deep depression, for example, that your faith might be as small as a mustard seed, but you're still a struggling Christian, and you make a choice that can't be undone. Mm -hmm. And Luther's belief was, and and I happen to share this belief, is that um, there are people who take their own life that in the next second saw the face of Jesus. Mm -hmm. Um, They lacked trust in God in that moment, but they still had that capital F Christian faith in Jesus as their Savior. And that's the thing I don't want to tell people because sometimes when you're really struggling yeah. and, and you want an out and you want the pain to end, yeah. that you make a choice that just, it, it, it so catastrophically causes pain to those who are left behind. So that's one of those, like, so many of these chapters are holding two things in tension of yeah. we have loved ones who tragically took their own life that are with Jesus right now. Not, not everyone who does it is, but there are some Christians who commit that sin. But and you shall not. <laughs> Just because you could end up in heaven doesn't mean you have a free pass to do it. God says you shall not murder, and that includes yourself. Mm-hmm. So if you're grieving someone, a, a Christian relative, like I, I just have that hope that Jesus can forgive that too. But if you're listening or watching and you're on the fence, a, a God of love is saying to you, don't. Yeah. Never. Like I have plans for you. Yeah. And you might not see them yet, but they're to give you a hope and a future. So so don't do it. Yeah, boy, that is that is the toughest one, and I've had I've had friends too, um, and the loved ones would ask that question, and and I do think that it's one of those theologically tense positions of, you know, your salvation is not a work of your own. Uh, can you do anything to earn your salvation? No, you'll never be good enough. Can you do anything to unearn? your salvation well not if you didn't earn it in the first place right it's a gift of, of grace um and it's god's will as we talked before we started it's god's will that none would perish which is an eternal statement uh, of perishing uh he's talking spiritually and so i mean with that baseline i go okay but yeah you don't want to you don't you preach that and it's almost like giving a free pass to, to people mm-hmm. to do something that creates not only short changes their own life, but mm-hmm. creates, I mean, horrible pain. I mean, this is, you know, someone in my, my previous church who, who our families because of, you know, kids sports and stuff were close. So I'd see him at church. I'd see him at sporting events. You know, and then I found out he took his own life. I had no idea. Mm. And, and so you want to say to that person who, and I've, I have also found this, and I know you've seen this, most people don't want to end their own lives. They want the pain to stop. Yes, yes. And so our message has to be, let me let me help the pain stop. 
because we we have yeah. a God whose desire is to is to stop the pain, to comfort you in the pain, to be with yeah. you even when the pain is there, mm-hmm. not for you to to take what He has given you. It's mm-hmm. His gift. It, you know, your your life is not your own. Is the message yeah. of scriptures, and that that applies in that in such a way. But that's a tough one. Did people get mad at you for preaching that? No, um, honestly, <laughs> I, I think I think back of all the chapters in this book, and I'm trying to remember anyone being mad. Mm. Um, I think the exact opposite was, Pastor. I've always wondered about that, or I've always carried this burden, or no one's ever opened a Bible and talked to me. I was like, that, that was the constant theme of, mm. even if it was messy, and even if my messages were far from perfect, it was thank you for talking taboo, because mm. it, it wasn't helping the old thing we used to do. You know, I, I went to church every Sunday my whole life, and I never heard about this. Mm-hmm. So thanks for talking about it. So, so that's my hope for the book, not just the people who read it, but I'm hoping it encourages more people to have a culture of talking about things. And I, I can't guarantee you there won't be frustration or confusion, but I bet, I bet the people in your life will just be grateful that they don't have to figure this out on their own, that someone loves them, has yeah. a Bible in their hands, and wants yeah. to talk about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think that's spot on. Okay, you, re- you ready for this one? <laughs> I don't know. You tell me. <laughs> You're breaking up on me, Randy. You're breaking up on <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you might want to pull one of the, oops, lost him. Um, are all sins equal? Mm. Um, yes and no. Um. The wages of sin is death. So do I think that any and every sin in the sight of a holy God has the potential to separate us from heaven? I I do. Um, Jesus had a way in the Sermon on the Mount of talking about adultery and lust, about actual murder and hatred. Mm -hmm. So he seemed to level the playing field that, you know, all of us have fallen short. But I also know, I think of a scripture like 1 Corinthians 6, um, talking about sexual immorality, where Paul says all other sins a man commits are outside his body, but he who sins sexually sins against his own body. Yeah. So he he says that there's there's a difference in consequence, maybe not a condemnation question. But I'll tell you what, if my next door, I would rather have my next door neighbor covet my car than steal it, <laughs> right, right, or or hate me instead of murdering me. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to consequence and damage. I think there is a real distinction between sins. Yeah, and I appreciate that um, because yes, all if you're missing the target, you know, if you miss by a foot or by a mile, you missed. But it's easier to correct a foot than it is a mile, mm-hmm. uh, wow. and that's what I see. And in Scripture, you know, it talks about some of these things only come out by prayer and fasting, and indicating they can have a deeper root. And mm-hmm. it's funny that you went where I was going to go because when you talk about sexual sin, I mean, I would. You know, I, I can we could talk about hey the pornography thing. You know, I kind of get that. Um, I mean, I get that. <laughs> but w- when you talk about people ab- abusing children, or you know, uh, transitioning, you know, a man becoming a woman and living, whoa! And I think most Christians, <clears throat> excuse me, a lot of people in the church, th- that's that's like so far out there. That sin is so weird to me. I don't even know what to do with it. Mm. But you're going to talk about taboo topics, so what do you do with it, Pastor Mike? <laughs> yeah. So because we're uh, Time of Grace has a um, a TV show 
Um, actually, I was visiting a friend who's in prison um, three weeks ago. And as I'm waiting for him to come into the waiting room, like multiple inmates, like, hey, we, I, I've seen you on TV. Hmm. So we have a lot of people who reach out, they'll write me personally, or they'll show up after their time is done, who have some pretty serious um, crimes against others in their past. Hmm. And so we have to think as a church, okay, how do we how do we love them? And how do we protect us? Yeah. How, how do we not end up naive with some of the violence and the sexual sins in their past? Mm-hmm. So, you know, this, I, I keep going back to Jesus' description in John 1, that he was full of grace and truth. That Jesus was shockingly forgiving, and he had some pretty decent boundaries. Mm-hmm. He, he was not a doormat for everyone's needs. He was he was going to be a a victim for whatever the Pharisees wanted. So I think of that, like, let's start with arms open, but let's be shrewd and let's be wise. And let's recognize that just forgiving the sinner isn't the church's only job, that there's also a standard of truth to uphold. And there's a lot of people that God has given us to protect. Yeah. 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 Some church cultures are really forgiving, but they're not (laughs) tough. Others are super tough, but they're a little bit prickly. Yeah, <laughs> and I, I think Jesus is kind of stretching us to hold those two things in tension. Yeah, uh, one of my one of the most powerful things ever said to me in one of these interviews uh, years ago, and I still remember it. A.R. Bernard, he said, "It's grace that gets us into the sinner's world; it's truth that gets them out." Ooh, well, right? say that again. It's great. So, time. so you, know, you talk about Jesus came with one hundred percent grace. He came with grace and truth, and, and I, maybe the order is significant there. Uh, mm-hmm. But it's grace that gets us into the sinner's world. Okay, so you can go sit down and talk with that convicted pedophile, but it's truth that gets them out because when you sit and talk with them, the truth mm-hmm. is pulling them out of that sin. Yeah, wow, that's beautiful. Can you see that? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah I think of a guy who knocked on the door of our church after he got out of a, an underage sexual sin, and uh, it was grace that started those conversations, mm-hmm. and it was truth that said, we'd love to have you worship with fellow sinners, because we are. And if you're going to worship with us, here's what it's going to look like. (laughs) A chaperone, like someone going to the bathroom with you, not talking to children. Right. Uh, And if if you're not ready to live by that truth, um, you're not welcome here. Yeah. And that was was tough. That was work, too. I just noticed... Whether it's my own sin I'm struggling with or helping another person, it actually takes a lot of work <laughs> to try to love each other in these situations. But here's here's the good news, because I think that doing the work is obedience. And when we are obedient, we draw near to God in that regard. He draws near to us. I mean, do, haven't you seen God work in miraculous ways when you've gone to do the work? Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, I have. It, it. It's not always simple, and it doesn't always produce the fruit you expect it to. <clears throat> but it, it feels really good. I mean, maybe that's one of the blessings of just knowing we did our best to love everyone in this scenario, mm-hmm. and we mm-hmm. can't control outcomes all the time. But I think as a Christian, isn't that good to know? I, I tried to speak grace and truth at the same time and let the chips fall where they may. I have found that obedience pretty much feels good eventually. Maybe not immediately. <laughs> it can be tough. Mm. <laughs> but it's like it's like a good workout, you know? And it may be tough when you're doing it, but, man, you just feel, mm. you just feel better because you're mm. in harmony with the spirit inside of you. You don't have that internal conflict. So, mm. All right. I'm getting my pen. Randy, I'm writing that one down. I'm stealing <laughs> my next sermon. Obedience, like a workout. <laughs> Thank you. All right. I just send, send the royalty checks here. Then. No. <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, all right. I'm going to show people the website, and then I'm going to give you the last word. This is the website. If you want to follow up with Pastor Mike, I, you have your sermons on timeofgrace.org? 
I do. Yes. Yeah. See, that's great. All right. So I see the book. Well, there's the program, how to deal with shame. I mean, this is a wonderful resource uh, for anyone out there who is like, yeah, okay, this, this guy's speaking things that speak to my soul. I want to follow up. So timeofgrace.org. Uh, I think you are in good hands. Um, so Mike, wrap us up on this, this topic of taboo topics. Um, yeah. What do we just need to, to know, to rest in, to be able to deal with all these difficult things? We didn't even talk about politics because there's going to be too much of that this year. But what, 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 what can you, how can you give us the courage to say, okay, I don't even know what I'm doing, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to do it anyway? Yeah. Yeah, I've been thinking about this book a lot. <clears throat> there's a specific audience, and I think this will get to, to the question you just asked. I've been thinking about <clears throat> high school seniors who are just a few months from leaving home and going off to college. And I'm thinking about a lot of these kids that we love, it might be your brother or sister, your, your grandson, your neighbor, your niece, your nephew, who are gonna leave their church and their pastor and the dinner table where there's a lot of Bible and Christianity, and they're gonna, they're gonna be in a dorm room mm -hmm. in August or September. Mm -hmm. And a lot of them are going to face some of this stuff for the first time. Yep. Um, they're going to be, the tables are going to turn. They're going to be outnumbered by people who have different views about sex, gender, drinking, pornography, divorce, marriage, intimacy. And I was thinking that they might just have a big question for the first time in their life, or maybe they commit a certain sin for the first time in their life, mm -hmm. and they're not going to know what to do. And I, I think my dream more than anything for the book is that there'd be some young man or woman sitting in their dorm room and they see that little spine that says taboo and they're going to open up to that that chapter and there's going to be lots of bible passages lots of truth and my goal in every chapter was to always get back to the cross and to jesus and forgiveness however bad the struggle mm. so you know that picture to me is the answer to your question where do you start whether it's this book or you just know the right spots to go in the book to like start with a bible passage and let it set the agenda um, God has already been talking about that thing for thousands of years. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> you yeah. and I can continue the conversation and he speaks with truth. He never waters it down, but man, he speaks with such grace and forgiveness for sinners like us. So that, that's what I would want. Don't stay stuck, like reach out, grab the book, put yourself in a circle with God's people. And you might be shocked where the Holy Spirit takes the next season of your life. Yeah, I love it. And you know, it's okay to tell someone, you know, I don't I don't know. Let's go search the scriptures together. Yes. And see what we can find. Uh, I think your point, the 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 dialogue I think is is sometimes the hardest part, but maybe just the that first step, you know, mm -hmm. most important part. Yeah. Appreciate yeah, you. It man. absolutely is. Appreciate yeah, you. Always you. appreciate you. What are you gonna write on next? How do you what do you what do you follow up this with? <laughs> <laughs> so I should I don't know if I should say this, but the book Taboo was a total accident. <laughs> I was writing a, another book that I finished on confession and confrontation yeah. to uh, conversations that Christians don't have. And I finished early and I was saying to our ministry team, I, I got time to write. What should I do? And I thought, you know, I've been preaching for 10 years on all this tough stuff. It's, it's had great fruit here at our church. What if we turn that into a book? And so that's what Taboo is. Taboo is 29 sermons that I preached on Sundays at our church different sermon series, different years, different topics mm. that bore the most fruit because we went there. Yeah. And uh, I'd love to just kind of spread the impact of that message through this book. 
You know, you didn't answer my question. I don't know what you're going to write. What are you going to write on next? You should write on uh, pure politics next. That, that That's Ooh. the only way to get people even more riled up. I don't know. No, bad idea. Go back to your council of whys. They'll give you better advice than I have. All right. Again, thank you, Mike. Appreciate yeah, you. Thanks, Randy. Appreciate all you guys out there watching. This has been a fun conversation. We got more of these. If you like, follow, or subscribe, you'll get notifications, hopefully, if the socials do what they should. Uh, and by the way, I would hit them on all the different outlets. Um, I'm liking Rumble these days. It's a good, safe place. They don't you know, do other things. Anyway, appreciate you guys being here. Uh, this is the book, Taboo, Wherever You Get Books by Mike Novotny. Come back. We'll see you again next time here on Life Today Live. On this vast, limitless sea of divine